Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Now, time for the podcast. Okay, this is Contrarian's Corner. This is Contrarian's Corner. This is the Contrarians, and we are still on the trail, already reaching scorching temperatures here in Texas, but nothing hotter than the summer of Travolta. Never gets hotter than when we record. No. And this week, we're actually both in the same place. We're not separated by hundreds of miles and I'm glad because thousands I- of years of political ideologies. I couldn't have taken uh, the ending of this movie without you by my side, Alex. I, I understand. I understand you feel that way, but uh, we're here for episode 60. My God, big number. Um, we're almost old enough for a senior discount. <laughs> uh, but as is tradition with the uh, every 10 episodes, the aughts, uh, we split it with a gray area episode. Uh, we select a movie that's neither rotten or fresh by the standards of the number. I mean, the the icon may indicate one way or the other. Right, but... It's usually in the middle. I think we've done anywhere from basically the mid-40s to 60s, something like that. Um, The last one we did was also in the 50s. I think uh, Cloud Atlas was like, what, 55? Yeah, I remember the A-team was in the high 40s, which (laughs) we don't need to go back down there, but I could argue that. Uh, We're here today again, Summer Travolta continuing on with 1996 Summer uh, Hit Phenomenon. Uh, I think it was a halfway hit because I believe it sits directly at 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Well, the, the full-on hit part is the Eric Clapton song. That's that, true. That lead, takes you to the end credits. That was unqualified, 100% fresh but, MTV uh, meter. And before we get too far into it, uh, I will be taking the contrarian stance in terms of arguing against and Julio will be arguing for. And I can say right off the bat that with all we've done so far, at least I wasn't as bored as I was here. <laughs> I think you need to leave that attitude at the door, Alex. So what are, what are the reviewers saying about this, or what did they say? I know you said you had a bit of a hard time finding some quotes. Yeah, there's like a lot of links without quotes, and I wasn't going to click on the link and give them the pleasure of actually visiting their website. So I picked from the ones that had the quotes there already, and there aren't that many. So again, it's a great area episode, so I'm going to alternate between positive and negative quotes. Uh, Carol Buckland from CNN.com. It's a fresh one, and she says, Travolta is terrific, and in a movie season dominated by brainless action flicks and big explosions, Phenomenon is something magically different. But then, on the other end of the spectrum, Susan Wolosnia from USA Today says, Works best if you can switch off your brain. Those who can will reach weeping nirvana. Those who can't will find this sticky sweet wallow a bit, well, dumb. I don't know that I reached weeping nirvana, but it was it was... Kind of a bummer of an ending. It was more of like a weeping pearl jam. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> uh, those are tears for a different reason. Uh, Nell Minow from Movie Mom says, Bittersweet. 
with a big fresh tomato next to it. It's a good bittersweet, not a bad one. Uh, but it's then like Travolta's still here. <laughs> yeah, for better or for worse, <laughs> we got him back, <laughs> and now we've lost him again. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, Alex Sandel from Juicy Cerebellum says, pretty lame Scientology type stuff. Uh, I didn't get any of that. I, me either. I mean, neither of us is a Scientologist, but it didn't, I mean. It was like the argument for Battlefield Earth that everyone hated it because it was a Scientology movie. Just say you don't like it. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. Don't bring your damn politics into this. <laughs> yes. Phenomenon is the story of John Travolta, who plays George Mallory, or Malley, excuse me. Uh, he is a local farmer in upstate California. California. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like Montana until the earthquakes kick in, and then I was like, okay, what's going on here? Uh, he is joined at his uh, arm in arm, at his side, <laughs> once again, by Forrest Whitaker, who plays uh, Nate, who eases into his role, but at the beginning is really pitched as the jolly black man. Yeah, uh, there is, it hit me as we were watching it, this pattern, I mean, we've watched four Travolta movies now, mm -hmm. counting this one. Uh, in the first one, Battle for Earth, he had Forrest Whitaker. Yes. He was his second in command, his most trusted advisor. Uh, didn't keep him from killing each other, or trying to kill each other, but no. still, you know, there was that bond there. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Samuel L. Jackson, again, side by side, they had each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, hairspray. Technically, he doesn't have like a, a black associate, but in a way, he ends up marching for black people in that movie. Yeah, Queen Latifah. Queen got, Latifah basically got his back. Yeah, and and now in this one, once again, Forrest Whitaker. It comes full circle. It's. I mean, I, I guess technically it would have came full circle with the uh, Battlefield Earth, but it, the circle began. Here. Right. This is. Uh, well, I think. There's probably like a clause in Travolta's contract where he's like, I want a black sidekick and I want him now. And I want his last name to be Whitaker, if possible. Nate and George are farmers and basically the beginning of it just goes to paint what a day in their life is. Uh, George pays his bills by, he's a local mechanic um, who works with a caricature of a Hispanic man. It really feels like this town is just full of stereotypes and jokers right off the bat. You get, we get a Listen, man butt within like two minutes of this movie. Not any man butt. It's Robert Duvall's butt. Is that oh, Oscar it's, Oscar winning butt? It's supposed to be Oscar or um, Robert Duvall's butt, butt. Are you insinuating that Duvall used a butt double? I mean, if he didn't, good for him. <laughs> I mean, if you if you were Duvall's age and you still had a nicely shaped. Tuckus. But wouldn't you just go for it? Yeah, and go he for got it, to he lose? did. Yeah, he, he had nothing to lose. It was a birthday prank on because it's George's birthday. Yeah, he's turning 37, right? 37, yeah. He toasts He toasts the cosmos at one point and <laughs> yeah. says 37. Uh, he's trying to learn Spanish. You know, he can't... He His biggest problem is there's only 24 hours in a day. He can't get everything done that he wants to. His garden isn't going the way he wants it to. Uh, there's a rabbit on the loose that he's trying to catch. He's just... He's having trouble keeping it all together. He's like Sarah Jessica Parker, and uh, I don't know how she does it. I don't know how he does it. Uh, I don't either, but it takes a long time to get there. It's John Travolta. It's a very, very small town in America, which I, I appreciated after you know, the roller coaster we've been in with Travolta movies. It mm -hmm. was nice to just slow down and just take a moment to appreciate Travolta playing a character that's completely unremarkable. It reminded me of when Robert De Niro tries to play a normal guy and. With De Niro, it's just impossible because he just 
he has that demironess that yeah. you're never gonna believe that he's just like a regular guy. But Travolta can pull it off. Oh yeah, Travolta, I definitely buy him as a rural farmer. <laughs> totally. No. Big smile. <laughs> he doesn't dance or sing at all in this movie. And it kills him not to. <laughs> you can see so many times when he's ready to bust out in song or dance, and Robert Duvall quickly puts the kibosh on that. <laughs> Says no, not here. Uh, our flame, our muse of the film, Kira Sedwick, uh, plays Lacey, or is it just Lace? He calls her Lace, but that could have just been Travolta being overly familiar. Yes. Which is... He did call her Sandy at one point, and they just kept it in the film. <laughs> but that was when he was losing his mind, so that's okay. That actually would have been perfect. His, he was, his power set increased to the point where he could see alternate realities. <laughs> See, what they should have done is when um, we're getting way ahead of jumping the gun here, but they could have just done the Billy Pepper scene from, uh, fuck, what is that movie? Battlefield Earth, where like everything's just shooting directly into his eyes. That's I like, mean, we get a montage that's basically that in yeah. this movie. Uh, so, as we mentioned, it is George's birthday. We have a birthday party down at the local pub and brew, first drink free. Um, again, just small town America. They're just bickering, bickering and arguing about nonsense. Robert Duvall comes in and gives him a chessboard for his birthday. And um, Travolta goes to walk out in the street. I guess he wanted to talk to somebody. No, he's uh, he's making sure that somebody goes home fine. Because he's like, are you okay to drive? And then... Gotcha. It's standing in the middle of the street. This is where you'd think the first dance number would come out. But... <laughs> where he belt into song? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, he stands in the street, and he, as we mentioned, he toasts the cosmos and says 37. Good morning, California. <laughs> and then the shining bright light that was his previous career comes and hits him in the head. It's the singularity from Donnie Darko. Just... No, this is better than Donnie Darko. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess I don't know how to describe it other than that. It, I guess it just knocks him back. It's like a, a sound wave. that It's not like something hits him like... Uh, I mean, he can't explain it. No. And he's the genius. He's, oh, my God. <laughs> it was a light. <laughs> I mean, he literally comes back into the bar. Yeah. <laughs> he is knocked over by this wave of light and sound, whatever it is. And he walks back into the bar, and everyone, of course, just thinks he's insane, doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Meanwhile, he's trying to recount what happened, and he's holding his head, and he's just owning Robert Duvall at chess. Something interesting that's happening that they don't even fucking draw light to. Well, it's very it's, he does it very casually, and that describes the movie very well. They, they, and that's why I love it because it's just so low key with all the amazing shit that happens. It, it, it just here's the thing: we're used to seeing these sort of developments happen in the big cities, you know, where where there's sort of just mechanisms in place to deal with, you know, what happens when some dude gets zapped by lightning and develops superpowers, but. You know, small town America, they have no idea. They don't give a shit. Travolta, had, it doesn't even cross his mind. I may be a superhero or a supervillain or anything. It, the biggest thing that happens is that he wins chess yes. that night. Against Robert Duvall, who's wearing a bow tie. Right. It's very... For the entirety of the movie. <laughs> same bow tie, same jacket, everything. There was a deleted scene where it spun and went, woo! When he told him he was dying, yes. <laughs> George is a changed man by this. He... It, he doesn't sleep that night, does he? He just starts reading. And, uh, well, he figures out. Uh, well, he figures out his the, garden trouble. With the right, rabbit. the rabbit. He figures out that the rabbit is strapped in, mm-hmm. not, you know, sneaking under the fence, uh, which is, again, it, it's a perfect example of the, the stakes 
in this movie. It's just, you know, it's the little things in life. Mm-hmm. That's what you could uh, say after every instance of Travolta using his powers for something. In it's this not movie. trying to get in, it's trying to get out. It's trapped. And then that big smile. Big smile when he goes out there and he sees the, he opens the, the gate and he sees the rabbit come out and he's like, I was right. And I'm smart. We quickly, we see him reading and learning a bunch of shit, and we immediately launch into a, a montage set to Phil Collins to let you know where you are, not only in the movie, but in history. <laughs> the history of America. Yes. The the very specific mid to late 90s. This Phil Collins trying really hard to win an Oscar for best song. I can't even remember what song it was now. I, I was going to say, uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? But that was Elton John. <laughs> Elton John won an Oscar for that song two years before this, goddammit. Um Whatever the Tarzan song is. Oh, yeah. I was just singing that earlier today. Odd you bring that up. That's when we were recording. I think I told you about it. Uh, Hairspray, my sister, sent me a text during that. Clairvoyance is what it is. Telekinesis almost. It's the summer of Travolta. It, It is. It does crazy things to people. Here nor there, uh, Travolta is just burning through all these books. He's adopting. He looks physically more fit. I don't know if that was something that I was supposed to notice. I mean, it is 90s Travolta. You can only help yourself so much. I think he just dresses better. Yes. Somehow he develops, in addition to all his other abilities, he develops a, a taste for better fitting clothing. And his hair is just a little bit longer, so it gives a little bit more of that rugged bad boy look. But he's not bothered at all by the fact that he discovers he can move shit with his mind. <laughs> He just rolls with the punches. He has bigger fish to fry. He, he rolls a pen with his mind and just goes, Oh, Babalooba! <laughs> Listen, he, from the beginning of the movie, before he gained powers, he's had his eye on Kira Sedgwick. This is true. He doesn't. How does moving stuff with, with mind help him there? No, he needs to charm her. He needs to buy all those chairs that she's making. He's J.J. Wetworth and Empire Records. Art school, put it all on the side. No, laser Love. focused on one thing and one thing only. Stealing Kevin Bacon's wife. <laughs> so through the course of the first montage, basically more book reading. He's learning how to do new things. Uh, he helps people locally. I think he knows Spanish all of a sudden. It's just all these random occurrences, and the people of the town are starting to take notice of the the new girl in town. <laughs> this, this is just like a tiny bit of real talk, but just because I know I'll forget when we do real talk. It's like, I like this montage, but do you think, because chronologically, in the real history of the world, this happened before Battlefield Earth, mm-hmm. right? So do you think that Travolta was shooting this montage, and he was like, one day... When I get my say, no more of this bullshit. There'll be just a magic machine that will take care of this. And it's like in 30 seconds, you just show the evolution of somebody from really dumb to genius level. Yes. I think he was taking, I think his entire career, he was taking mental notes in preparation (laughs) of Battlefield Earth. Travolta's telekinetic power doesn't really seem to trouble him at all because, like you said, he's just focused on one thing. Um, like a true man, in this case, 37, we don't know if he's ever been with woman prior to this. I mean, uh, it is that, that that small of a town. He is definitely acting like the great beyond with a female is all that's driving him in this life. Well, I kind of get the feeling that if Travolta had like hooked up with anyone in that town, we, we would have heard about it by now. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that he gets teased and the way that they talk to him, it's just like everybody knows that, that this is like his... His first and one shot with uh, Kira Hedwig. 
So, yes, he already has powers that could change the world forever, but instead he's just more interested in dipping his wick in the, the, the rural <laughs> California ink. Well, <laughs> well, it's not just that. I mean, he's he uses his powers for for good, for the better good, because he gives those kids, Kara Sedgwick's kids, the replacement father figure they don't have. Not yet. He's going to kidnap them shortly enough. Tomato, tomato. I mean, <laughs> well, with his tomatoes, <laughs> with his power, he's been growing these fucking super genetic tomatoes like Lisa grows on The Simpsons for the science fair that uh, ends up getting thrown at Principal Skinner. And he's trying to get her, you know, he gets her to take a big bite out of the tomato, but she's not biting at his attempts. You know, he wrote that down. Uh <laughs> How it, it's telling you how much talent Travolta has that any other actor this would have been super creepy, but yes. with him it's pretty lovable. You know, she bites and there's some tomato juice running down her chin and he just wipes it and it's not you don't you don't get the rape alert. You instead you're like oh that's he's just in a, you know very and sweet. Travolta just trying to be funny and just like yeah feed me. <laughs> so he follows her. You know, speaking of the creepy rapey vibe, he follows her to her home. And just picks up her children on the side of the road. So at this point, he has committed kidnapping. He is giving them a ride. He asks, and the little girl went in. It was not. He didn't like get out of his truck and grab them and throw him in. I mean, I mean, worst case scenario, these kids are learning a lesson. <laughs> Best case scenario, which is what happens, he just gave them a ride home. Still, I, it, it was off putting. He taught them about flowers. He did. He knew a lot about flowers all of a sudden. Well, he said, I mean, his, that's like the reading that he'd been doing. He's like, I can name any flower. But, you know, it works out in his favor because this attempted kidnapping is what was needed for Lace to see, you know, something in him. She sees him interacting with her children and, you know, this is good. She's happy about this. Uh, Travolta goes in their backyard and just standing around and then all somehow fucking feels an earthquake coming. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Once again, he's developing... Magneto-like powers, but you don't see him trying to take over the world or anything. I mean, he he goes, he grabs a rotary phone. This is where we are in America right now, right? He because he said, "Can I use your phone?" And I was not thinking. I just assumed he. I was like, "Where's your phone, buddy?" Right, and, and I thought maybe she was gonna give him like a big like. I got no signal out here. <laughs> I thought I was expecting like a brick cell phone or something. Yeah, but, but no, it's just like a big rotary phone, and he calls. Uh, he calls the government. He calls somebody to yeah, warn him about an earthquake. The earthquake hotline. Yeah, I mean, we find out later because he comes. He, come, he actually yeah. comes to the movie. The, the person that he talks to, but uh, it's just so it's just so small town America again, and it's just so charming. And it's not the kind of thing that you usually see in a movie about somebody that's developing superpowers. Yes, you know, it, it, by now they already have a costume, and they they're just. Fighting somebody with cheesy one-liners and bad CGI, but here just Travolta standing in a field and he cocks his head and he's like, "Can you feel that?" It's like I bought it, I got chills, and that's all it needed. Like any reasonable person would, the guy from the earthquake headquarters of the world just completely does not believe him and hangs up on him. Travolta is flummoxed and aghast at the fact that he was hung up upon. Basically, because the guy's asking him what equipment are using, all this stuff. He's like, "Nah, it's just me." <laughs> so you know, again, not the worst for Travolta. He gets his way in the end. He gets to stay for dinner. Uh, he is shut down hardcore by uh, Lace, who denies him a kiss. Um, so he just goes on his way, and then a serious earthquake happens, and rightfully so, freaks her out. 
She doesn't she like drag her kids out of bed to go over and confront Travolta at his home. Well, they're still there's they haven't gone to bed yet when the earthquake happens, and then yeah, okay. she she drags him out of the house. Um, in the meantime, Travolta is just celebrating that there was an earthquake. He yeah. gets out of his truck and he's talking to his dog. And it's like, did you feel it? I'm the man. Poor dog, just chilling there, not knowing what the fuck was happening. Uh, bad news bears for Travolta here, George. Lace shows up, freaked out, wondering what the fuck's going on. Uh, one of the subplots about this is she makes wicker furniture, and Travolta sells them at his body shop. Uh, turns out he's been the only one buying the chairs, because he's got, like, a creepy horde of them in his living room. Again, any This other is like actor, Ed Gein Leatherface shit. Any other actor, that would have been a huge red flag. With Travolta, it's just this lovable act of, of love and kindness. He didn't want to hurt her feelings, so he wanted to pretend that that people liked her chairs. It's such a small town. I can't believe she didn't notice that nobody else was using her chairs. Uh, Travolta shows off his newfound power to Nate. Forrest Whitaker sees the magic is what I have written here on my notes. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, a bit, quick backstory on Nate. He lost his wife. Is that what we're led to? Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. And he's obsessed with... Uh... Somebody. Diana Ross. Diana Ross. Yeah. Right? And he, he's one of those people that, that... Maybe he didn't lose his wife, but I just know the thing is he's basically in rough shape. He can, doesn't know how to take care of himself, that type of thing. Right. I mean, here we are saying yeah, Travolta probably has never gotten laid or anything, but I mean, I don't think that anybody in that town is is really having much se- much luck with the opposite sex. Mm-mm. I think it's a, it's a whole California town of chastity. So Forrest Whitaker sees the magic here, and basically he doesn't know what to make of it. Uh, through this, though, Travolta uses him to intercept uh, Morse code from the Army, the Navy, the FBI, basically a bunch of people that he should not be listening or tapping into. Just because he's bored. Yes. Which I think is adorable. That's Once again, there's no big plan here. This no. Is, this is literally what would happen if just a random guy with no ambition <laughs> who has a crush on the girl next door got powers. It really movies sometimes they exaggerate so mm-hmm. much that you just lose touch with reality. It doesn't really feel like oh this could happen. But I was watching this movie and like this could totally happen. Yeah, you know, just some random bumpkin gets powers and then he just starts like ask to use your friend's phone so you can like make prank calls from it so you <laughs> yeah. don't get held responsible for it. It's like you have the power to just I don't know rebuild civilization uh, and but you're just spinning pens and uh, <laughs> flipping pages in your book without touching them just very remedial shit uh robert duvall with his bow tie makes a house call that we just very starkly cut into this it's an old uh brazilian or portuguese gentleman who i guess has some sort of food affliction uh and of course no one in bumfuck california speaks portuguese so they got a call travolta he can do it uh, all the while, running parallel to this, Dr. Ringle, the gentleman he spoke to, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the actor. It's, you guys uh, said he's from... Yeah, from The Walking Dead. Dale from Walking Dead. Uh, Jeffrey DeMond, he's, uh, he's also in The Mist. He's the guy that's like, uh, there's something in The Mist. Okay. Uh, he shows up to act in this movie. He, I don't think he got the memo that this was a low-key movie no. where everybody's underplaying the fact that Travolta has superpowers because that guy, his eyebrows are raised from the moment he walks in until the very last frame of the movie. He's just blown away by it all. I do appreciate how he just shuts down Travolta. He's like, I don't give a shit about all this other stuff you're talking about. I just want to know if you're a fake. Uh, yeah, how did you figure out the earthquake? I don't give a shit about solar powering. Uh, so the townspeople send off to get George because they know he can read a book really quick and learn some things. 
So on the way over to where this gentleman is, because what's the fear? There's a there's a boy that's somewhere out. In- right, this guy's son, I think, or the kid that he was is with. also sick, but they can't figure out where he is because no one speaks Portuguese. Uh, well, yeah, some doctor you are, Robert Duvall. <laughs> Well, Travolta doesn't speak Portuguese either, but Duval knows that all it takes is like 20 minutes for him to learn something. So he's like, he gets him a Portuguese slash English dictionary and then sends him on his way. And Travolta reads it on the drive over. And by the time he gets there, he's speaking fluent Portuguese. Uh, he learns uh, that the boy is in the orchard and he goes after him. They just abandon the old man. No one gives a shit what happens to him. <laughs> His well, time is coming past. We I, got the I, future out there. I think Duval had had already figured out that he had done as much as he could do. Okay. Uh, so they find this boy. This is really weird. This is like fucking Halloween shit where they can feel each other's what's going on. This like, is like a big major set piece in the movie. Like Halloween and, 4 and 5 where I guess he's somehow tied uh, telekinetically tied to this child and he's feeling the child's pain. I think his powers grow with every minute the movie goes and and yeah it's it's a mixture something of- grows <laughs> oh no <laughs> the, I, it's unclear if he can like feel the kid's pain or he can feel the earth's pain but there's again very minimum special effects that's true he, they he, keep it very simple he's just walking around and then people start following him because he seems to have a pretty good idea of where he's headed and then he collapses and then he raises his hand and he, the, the structure starts shaking. Mm-hmm. And then filmmaker John Turtletop shows the restraint not to have this Marvel Universe bullshit sequence where, you know, everything goes flying around and then the kid is, is revealed. Yeah. Instead, Travolta, all he does is just, like, shake that thing a little bit and then people have to go in there and find the kid. He dislodges just a few enough pieces of wood so people can see there's, like, a ladder leading somewhere. Yeah. And then, again, all Travolta really needed to do was say, hey, look over there. Yeah. But, but you know, he gave it a little a little pizzazz and, and gave us a little shake. In the end, through all this, all Travolta uses this for is to try to get his buddy laid. He meets the little boy's mom and, uh, I don't want to say pawns are off, but basically sets up a scenario in which uh, Forrest Whitaker can't lose. Teaches him a bunch of sexy sayings in Portugal, or Portuguese, excuse me. And, you know, you would think he would want to do more with these skills than just get himself and his buddy laid. Listen, Alex, it's not like Earth is under attack every day. What do you think the Avengers do on their days off when Thanos is not here to, to, to destroy the universe? I mean, they're just out there trying to get laid. <laughs> Have fun with their buddies. Uh, it's it's a noble enterprise on two ends because one, he knows that that Whitaker needs a companionship, mm-hmm. needs to come out of his shell. He all he does is like talk on his like radio thing uh, all day. And then on the other hand, he knows that this lady, the the kid's mom, you know, the reason she wasn't with him was because she was in town looking for a job, looking for work. So he gets her under the employment of uh, of Whitaker. Win-win. Is he Kerr or Terrell? I think Terrell is Travolta. Okay. Either way, we, we went for a reference there. Uh, well, yeah, it works out. They they fall in love. It's love at first sight. Um, it's love at first Portuguese. Yeah, there you go. Back in town, everyone is treating Travolta differently. Uh, he can't go anywhere in public. He's much like Andre the Giant we mentioned about that documentary. <laughs> can't go in public without people treating him differently. So he's having a hard go of it, and as if it couldn't get much more confusing or worse, he shows up at home, and his house and all his possessions are being seized by the Federal Bureau of Investigations. 
It's kind of one of those things of like he just thought he was going to get away in intercepting government transmissions. Well, I think that this is we're we're I think past halfway uh, you know into the movie when this happens, which is good because as much as I like the the small town stuff, it was time to raise the stakes, and it I'm glad that. You know, Big Brothers, Big Brothers out there. Mm-hmm. So of course they would notice. Even back in the '90s, this kind of stuff doesn't go unnoticed for too yeah. long. So I'm glad that we were shown that the government was paying enough attention to pinpoint that there was something weird, and then they pick up Travolta. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pick up Whitaker too. There was this heartbreaking shot of Whitaker in his cell, just kind of yeah. like holding his head. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. Data. What is the actor's name who plays Data? Brent Spiner. We get one scene by Brent Spiner who tests John Travolta, and tensions run hot, but basically, <laughs> my thing here is Travolta does not hold back at all. He doesn't leverage his abilities for anything. He just gives them all they want right away. <laughs> well, he doesn't He doesn't need to. I mean, at this point, you you keep judging him like he is uh, one of these like slick... Uh, like he's a city slicker, <laughs> you know. He's just a country boy. He's just a country boy. He he just wants to go home. Does the, he does says he, that he keeps saying, "I just want to. What do I need to do?" He's to supposed go to be home? on a date with Lace at this point. Yeah, yeah. She was supposed to drive him to the university. Or, That's uh, right. Or Jeffrey Demond was gonna help him out. So yeah, data from the next generation just kind of grills him on what he can do. Uh, tests him with a bunch of really questions. He's just being held hostage by the FBI. There, not hostage, rather, but captive, and. Uh, does he break out, or do they let him go eventually? Uh, they let him go because he uh, he threatens. He he suddenly just shows you that you can't only fuck with him for so long, and he threatens to uh, expose everything that he knew, like all the information he had intercepted. Ah. he was he was just going to tell the press. Okay, and then the government folds, <laughs> as we do, <laughs> or they did. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to piss Travolta. No, uh, he could bring down the the whole system globally. <laughs> So he gets out, in uh, about his ninth creeper act of the movie, sneaks to um, Kira Sedgwick's window and wakes her up at fucking three or four in the morning. That is just Make romantic. sure to watch her sleep a little bit before he does wake her up. <laughs> That's just romantic. That's Why is it that... You know, when a grown man does it, it's no longer romantic. <laughs> when, it, when teenagers are doing it, it's cute. No, I think that these... He's he's doing a whole Romeo and Juliet thing here, uh, and he's just like, "I miss you." <laughs> While I was, I'm sorry, being held captive. <laughs> and I think at this point, she's seeing all the strife and conflict he's going through, and all he wants to do is get to her. I think this is what won her over finally. Yeah, well, she's the movie sets her up sets her up at the very beginning as a hardened woman that has no time for friendship. I mean, you can tell everybody in town kind of resents her and they tease Travolta because obviously he's never going to get anywhere with her and mm-hmm. they're like why are you even interested she makes shitty chairs and uh, and Travolta shows that regardless of the powers you know the real power is his heart <laughs> and his determination to wear her down and not in a creepy evil way but just as in like this woman needed somebody to not run away whenever she got hostile and instead keep trying this is the last moment of clarity George has before he just kind of goes down his beaten path. He goes to the local pub, and this would be Travolta's Oscar scene for this. George just completely loses it. He's tired of people looking at him differently, getting in all this shit with the government, things of that nature, and he just says that, you know what that lie was? A goddamn mistake! And then he breaks a mirror with, he his, does. with his superpowers. With his thoughts. It's, it's the most X-Men moment in the movie. Yes. It, it, uh, when he just kind of like 
points at himself in the mirror and then it cracks. Yep. And small town America freaks the fuck out. Yeah, they don't uh, know what the hell to make of it. It's a it's a pretty clear reminder that you know it's all cute until like ignorance is cute until it isn't mm-hmm. you know and these people that are his buddies and they've known him since he was a child and everything they turn on him yeah they go full maga they just <laughs> get this alien out of our city pretty much this leads to to me the most interesting portion of the film where we get crazy grizzled travolta with a five o'clock shadow in his pjs just reading like with no light on his house but like just you know farming and, and reading staying uh Awake by just the sunlight, probably only telling the hour by looking at the position of the sun in the sky. Um, Lace eventually shows up and gives him a makeover. We get just kind of an out of nowhere, heavily romantic, also... Super sexy. If this didn't copy it, City of Angels copied it. Whoever did this first, the other one copied, because, like... I can swear there's a scene just like this in the other movie as well. It's uh, Nichols Cage shaving Meg Ryan's legs. It's completely different. While Goo Goo Dolls Iris plays... Uh, but she gives him a makeover, gives him a haircut. I mean, good on her. She apparently knows how to do all these things. And then uh, gives him a good shave. And this uh, they get really close to kissing, but of course it's not nothing, to be. Nothing happens because Travolta's a gentleman. Yes. Uh, Travolta then puts on his only suit that he presumably owns and goes to the town square and basically hosts an afternoon with John Travolta. <laughs> it's it's a foolproof plan. Yes. He, he knows that uh, the town is afraid of him. Because of his powers. So what he's going to do is he's going to use his powers. (laughs) (laughs) Because he knows that you have to confront your fears in order to get past them. Yeah. So he has this brilliant idea that he's going to read all these books. And then he's going to just have people ask him about the books to prove that he's read them all. Yeah. And, you know, this is just the kind of time where, like, the fact that he's reading, it just just blows (laughs) their mind. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they're more interested in what he can do like with his powers, and the one guy's like, just touch my boy. He is sick. He's very sick. Uh, he wasn't Italian, so I don't know why I was doing that. But uh, Yeah, it, they don't really care. His plan not eventually, immediately backfires, and he becomes overwhelmed by this and trips over his big hoard of books and falls down, uh, temporarily passes out, and he sees the, the flash of light again. Yeah, uh did he did he trip or did he just pass out? I think he was just trying to back away, like get away, you vultures, and then he fell backwards, and uh, just that's when he passed out. He passes out all stretched out like Jesus. Not the not the last Jesus religious re- uh, reference in uh, in this movie. No, but as soon as it happened, I was like, he he was too good for us. <laughs> he wakes up in a hospital bed, and it turns out it is a tumor. I don't know. That was Schwarzenegger. I don't know why. It, um, <laughs> it it turns out it's it's cancer, but it's a cool kind of cancer, the one that gives you superpowers. Yeah, this brilliant writing here of just it's a tumor that's giving him these powers, but they can't explain how. Dude, it could happen. I mean, tell me, show me proof that it couldn't happen in real life. Robert Duvall, he's, he spins his bow tie to stress his points here, but he says basically the tumor's so big it's pushing down on certain points of his brain and he's operating at a higher brain function than anyone that's ever lived. I think it's pretty awesome. Like the idea that if you fuck with it correctly, your brain can actually do some amazing stuff. But it's killing him. Well, nothing's perfect. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like Travolta said later, though, the journey, you know, the idea that this proves the potential of the human mind, mm-hmm. that is such a great gift. 
not just to the people in the movie, but also to the moviegoers that are watching the movie. Yes. You know? So. Through this, we get uh, Oscar clip number one for Robert Duvall, where he explains, you know, I've never been a parent, but I've always viewed you as my son ever since the first time I helped you when you were 15 and broke your leg or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and this is, I mean, Duvall is great, and that is like an amazing first Oscar clip, but the reaction shot of Travolta, <laughs> who's just stone-faced, that really, that deserves an award of its own. Maybe not an Oscar, but some sort of award. He was just told he was going to die, so he doesn't want to hear this shit. He's <laughs> like, that's great. That's great that, that, uh, that you feel like I'm your son, but uh, I'm still dying. So the specialist, the brain doctor, he wants George to just concede and die so that he can donate his brain to science so they can study it. Uh, love this because, again, you don't see it very often. There's, there's this – we're kind of, I guess, conditioned in America especially to just bow down to science, right? Science and, and acting for the greater good of humanity and the, the needs of the many – as opposed to the the few. Yeah, all that stuff, right? So on paper, this makes perfect sense. Let us cut you open so we can you know, investigate your super crazy brain and all the powers, and maybe we can create an army of Travoltas. <laughs> uh, but on a very personal, selfish level, he has every right to say no, yeah. which he does. He wants to live. He wants He's to continue like, the journey. I haven't had sex with Kira Sedgwick yet. <laughs> that was the whole point of the, whole, of the movie. He wants to continue the journey. Uh, so they they keep him hostage. They keep him captive in the hospital. And on the third day, he rose again because he escapes the tomb that is the hospital. Yeah. Uh, he drugs the one of the people in there, his buddy, I think it is. I don't know if it was his buddy. It was like the – I guess maybe they'd become friends since, since he was admitted. But what, he's been stockpiling the pills they're trying to give him to sedate right. him. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like they didn't get the memo that he was super intelligent. Correct. Right? Because this is a, a pretty like standard. If you're going to escape from a hospital, that's kind of like... None of them ever watch Misery. <laughs> uh, here's another thing that I love about this movie, and that is that I thought that it was setting us up for this redemption arc for the townspeople. Mm-hmm. I thought the townspeople were going to break him out of the hospital. <laughs> you know? It's like they've been dicks twice now. And it would end like it's a wonderful life. Exactly. It was like, okay, he's dying. Oh, my God, Clarence, thanks. (laughs) Uh, One by one, they come, and instead of dropping money, they're just, like, taking pieces of the tumor. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, But but no, they remain dicks until the very end. There is this uh, Oscar clip number two from Robert Duvall. Yes. All the townspeople just talking mad shit about Travolta. Like, he didn't give them the best tomatoes they ever had. They didn't fix their cars. Uh, yeah, and then Duvall, he, you know, you, you thought he already brought it, but he's he comes to tell you that it hasn't been even been brought to the table yet. When you he slides his beer across the bar to break all these other glasses, and what's the matter with you? He's like, I don't need superpowers to, to start some shit here. No. Um, basically, he just says, you know, why you got to hate him for being different, and you know, why can't we learn from him that type of thing? Very uh, Frankenstein mos- monsters esque. So Travolta breaks out, uh, of course, he returns back to the scene of the crime, or not yet crime, but to Lace's farm, and all he's wanted to do the entire movie is the first thing he does when he gets there, and that's fix her truck. And he does, and good for him. That comes into play again before the movie's over. Right. Uh, I, I just realized, uh, I just remembered that 
one of the things that Duval says in that second Oscar clip when he's just yelling at everybody at the bar, he says he basically makes the case that even before the powers, Travolta was already a genius because he had figured out that the way to cure Cedric's heart was through persistence <laughs> and through buying the chairs. Yes. He's, he kind of like shames some other dude because his girlfriend broke up with him mm-hmm. and tells him, see, you're single. But Travolta, he has somewhere to go to. He may be dying, but he has a girlfriend. Uh, Travolta goes, fix Lace's truck. They have uh, a romantic evening together, but not before. There's this really, maybe you can explain to me the significance of it, the creepy apple scene where he's sharing an apple with both of Lace's children. Dude, I told you earlier, there there is a whole Jesus undercurrent to this whole thing. That That is the Last Supper. Travolta is telling them we're all together. You know, when you when you eat an apple, the apple becomes part of you, and, and and then you know the little girl eats the apple, and then the little kid's like, "That's kind of gross," but then eventually he does it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Alex, don't tell me you were not paying attention because it's very clear at the very end of the movie, the last shot when it's just Kira Cedric and the two kids, they ate Travolta after he after he died. That is a hundred percent what happened. And I dare you to rewatch those last five they minutes. They had to consume it to have it. Well, because they wanted to keep him. You know, he, he'll he'll stay alive. Just like Jesus, you know, this is my body and this is my blood. And that was Travolta saying, mm. this apple, they this took is going to be They me. just took it to a next level. Yeah. Uh, so Travolta sets up a bed in the middle of the woods and him and Kara Sedgwick get to know each other intimately. He's like, if it's not happening now, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, the, my final note is sex and death. Yeah. <laughs> He and uh, Sedwick finally consummate their relationship. Uh, we get a really romantic shot of them kissing. It fades to a, uh, a uh, stationary shot of like their silhouettes making out next to a big tree. Uh, perhaps the tree of life. No way of knowing. Uh, they awake in her bed, and there's a bit of pillow talk, and then Travolta just fades softly into the night. How sweet was that? You're the romantic of this, of this duo here. And I... You can't tell me that you didn't you didn't feel for them right there. What I did feel for was my ears because sweet, sweet Eric Clapton came through following this. Uh, we go to a year later. First thing we see is he told um, Nate he needed to farm corn, and he didn't believe him because he said, you know, we can't grow corn in this soil, and he gave him the secret recipe just like KFC, and he's coming in with just bushels of corn. And it's supposed to be his birthday again, right? Right, Travolta's birthday, and, and also, uh, uh, I mean, Whitaker, he's still together with that that boy's mom, and she's yeah. pregnant now. Yeah. So, with the Portuguese woman, they will call the baby George. <laughs> and um, Lace's son is playing Robert Duvall in chess. You can tell he's still a beginner, but he's learning. I think there's, you know, he's a prodigy. He's in the making here. Well, he ate Travolta, so maybe he inherited some of the powers. Uh, it's just everyone's happy to be there celebrating George, and we get that amazing picture of John Travolta. It's they they moved on fairly quickly about considering how shitty they were to him mm-hmm. uh, the year prior. I mean, nobody got they to won. Their- <laughs> history is written by the winners. Right. Revision is history. Right. It- but I love it because it's just so honest, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody got to make their peace with him, only Keir Sedgwick mm-hmm. and uh, and the kids. Uh, it, as far as everybody else is concerned, Travolta escaped the hospital and he died somewhere in the woods. He did make his peace with uh, Nate, with Forrest Whitaker. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he got to say goodbye to him. 
And uh, but yeah, nobody else. Everybody else just the last thing that the last interaction they had with him was just them being really horrible mm-hmm. uh, to him at the at the festival with the books. And so, but now it's almost like all it takes for them to feel good about the whole thing is to just celebrate, get drunk on his birthday. <laughs> Their conscience is clear. Yeah, I mean that that sounds like America to me. Yeah, just tweet about it, make you feel better. Hashtag phenomenon. Phenomenon. <laughs> It's like, what a phenomenon. <laughs> At George Malley. Uh Okay. Are we ready to move this along? Yes. Um, actually, our friends from uh, We Watched a Thing mm-hmm. sent us uh, a promo they have. And okay. uh, so we're going to play that. Then we're going to play some funny clip from Phenomenon because there's too many for us not to play something. Yes. And then we'll, we will be back with Real Talk where you'll find out that Alex really loved it and I really hated it. Yeah. Hey Topher, I was doing an etymology search because, well, who needs a reason? Turns out watch comes from the proto-Germanic word watchen, meaning be awake. Interesting if true, Billy. So our podcast, We Watched a Thing, really just means we stayed awake for something. Uh, Yeah, or at least most of it. Well, having been awake is about all the credentials we can really lay claim to when it comes to talking about movies. Speak for yourself, I've got legit IMDB credit. Well, all the visual effects experience in the world doesn't change the fact that you found passengers so emotionally touching that you cried. Oh yeah, taste guidelines from the cameraman who likes Jedi more than Empire, really? Ewoks are the best. Are they? Yes. And if you, dear listener, feel there aren't enough semi-informed cinematic opinions in your life, then a weekly dose of We Watched a Thing is for you. We Watched a Thing. We stay awake in everything. Find us at wewatchedathing.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else good podcasts are found. What am I going to do? What the hell am I supposed to do with it, huh? You know what that light was? You know what that sound was? Tell us. I'm going to tell you what it was. Well, tell us. It was a damn alien. Don't say that. You don't know what it was. You know what it is, Nate. You don't know what it was. Don't say that. Well, tell us. It's a goddamn mistake is what it is. Okay? It was supposed to happen to someone smart. Someone someone scientific. Someone who was a leader. But it didn't happen to me, George freaking Malley. Look at him. Now look at him. Look at him. Okay, we are recording now for Real Talk. Yes, we are. Phenomenon, starring John Travolta. Uh, movie that was written by a gentleman I'm reading right now, Gerald DePago, who also wrote Message in a Bottle, The Forgotten. Ooh, that was a bad one. Uh, Words and Pictures, Little Murder, some other things I'm not familiar with. He wrote the Sting song, Message in a Bottle? <laughs> Well played. Uh, directed by uh, John Turtletob, who we mentioned uh, during recording, probably most known for the National Treasure movie with Nicolas Cage. I think he did that movie also, uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, with um, what's the name of that guy from um, from Knocked Up and uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, it's um, not the Mickey Mouse Fantasia thing, but uh, oh man, you know, like the joke that he's the only guy that would be. Oh, he's in that hockey movie you like. Oh, Jay Baruchel? Yes, Jay Baruchel has Oh, okay, I remember that now. Uh, Monica Bellucci was in that movie. Uh, oh, shit, he did Three Ninjas also. And Cool Runnings. Hell yes. He definitely peaked before he made this. Uh, he also made Disney's The Kid, 
which I forgot that it wasn't just the kid. It was Disney's The Kid. That was Bruce Willis, right? Yes. Uh, but Phenomenon was released on July 3rd, 1996, July 5th. So Independence Day was released July 4th, It was right around there. I don't have a calendar pulled up in front of me. I just know that it was released to compete with Independence Day, which is still like one of the biggest openings ever in film history. You know, the poster for Phenomenon, it should have been like a banner with just John Travolta handing the torch to Will Smith. Um, but Data, what was the actor's name? Brent Spiner. In both movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so good for him. A lot less recognizable in Independence Day. Uh, despite all that, despite my joking, for a budget of a little over $30 million, box office return of $150 million. Oh. So Travolta still had it. He could still do that magic. They would come see anything with him uh, in it at that point. Yeah, he hadn't burned out his goodwill. Right. I mean, this is pre-Battlefield Earth, post-Pulp Fiction, and Get Shorty. I remember the one-two combo of Pulp Fiction and Get Shorty was just... He was on fire. Yeah. Now, that all being said, according to this little write-up I'm reading and according to the Netflix time bar for the movie we watched, allegedly 123 minutes. <laughs> I challenge that. I think these <laughs> timers they're using are greatly uh, miscalculating. But, Julio, do you have more quotes for us about this? Uh, yes. A handful. Less than a handful, really, because like I said, not very many out there. Uh, Charles Cassidy from Common Sense Media, it's a fresh one, and says, Gentle tearjerker about sudden mental superpowers. I mean, that is a description. Yeah. Uh, Matt Brunson from Creative Loathing says, For a movie that's ostensibly about intelligence, phenomenon proves to be rather simple-minded. Also not incorrect. <laughs> Uh, Roger Ebert from the Chicago Sun-Times, he liked it. He gave it three stars, Alex. And he says, this is a good role for Travolta, who has an underlying sweetness and enthusiasm that is well used here. I think he also, if I remember correctly, disliked Independence Day. <laughs> so that, we know what he was doing that weekend. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Mike McGranahan from Isle Seat says, new age crap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, at least he didn't go after Scientology, but it's still New Age, really? I yeah. mean, I don't know. Why? Because you can expand your brain power? Uh, yeah, it's just not a good movie. <laughs> okay, it's not bad. It's just boring, and like, there's so much more you could do with that concept. Yes. I. This is what I remember from watching Phenomenon. This is the first time you, you've watched it. I, this is my second time watching it. I watched it. Uh, it never opened in theaters, as far as I can remember, in Peru. Uh but I was I really wanted to watch it because, you know, Travolta was back and he was on fire. I was like Where uh, is the tumor? <laughs> uh, but so eventually I managed to catch it like either on cable or, or I rented it or whatever and I was just underwhelmed. Because yeah. really the story of a man with powers you you'd think that at some point the story would take off in some direction beyond well, he does these menial things around town. Yeah, or figure out a way to capitalize on that. Because I also do like the idea of, like, yeah, he can't, like, fucking pick up cars with his brain and move them. But there's something going on. like Right. I think that there was... I, I, there's, yes, there's uh, like, germs of good ideas sprinkled throughout the movie. I mean, that is actually, on, on short form, when you're just summarizing it, there is the potential for a good movie there in the... Uh, the idea of this guy, he gains powers, he never really does anything exceptional with them. No. And then they kill him. Yeah. That's a really 
sad thing, you know, but... It's manipulative of its audience because it's Travolta. They can just get away with it. Is that is true. Yeah. I mean, there's... But at the same time... If you're going to fault the Family Stone for being manipulative with uh, Diane Keaton, then... But the difference is here, it's actually... At least, I like the twist. Cracking my knuckles. Choose your words wisely. <laughs> no, no, no. But even you said it. You seemed surprised, pleasantly surprised when it was revealed that... It was a tumor? That it was a tumor. Yeah. And that it was killing him, that his powers were killing him. And that's also... That that works, too, with the way they did it. It's like, we've just never seen it before. We don't know why this has happened. Right. That's a lot more interesting than just, God did it, or, you know, <laughs> aliens. Yeah. The, but, but it's still, somehow it just doesn't work. And... And maybe there is something to be put on Travolta for it not working better, uh, because yes, like Ebert mentioned, he's he has like that sweetness, and he's mm-hmm. just you just root for him. But it also makes the character really bland. Mm-hmm. It's like you gave superpowers to just a nice guy, and well, you know, he doesn't do much with them. Not, not much happens. Uh, and that unfortunately sets the tone of the movie, where it's just kind of there. Right. It's, it's like, not actively bad. Out of the three movies we've watched so far, it's in third place, but I don't want that to seem like I would put it side by side. Next wait, four to... movies? Yeah. You, you already forgot about, about Battlefield. What, I said out of the four, it's oh, in third place. Oh, I thought place. you said out of the three movies. No, if I did, I apologize. What I meant to say was out of the four we've watched, I'd put it in third place, but I don't want that to seem like I would put it side by side with Battlefield Earth. Oh, yeah. No, Battlefield Earth is... This is just... It's just there. It's just, I, I would. I guess the the meanest phrasing I would say is swing and a miss. It, yeah. But at the same time, it didn't try. It did exactly what it wanted to. It made a lot of money and just kind of made a bland movie with John Travolta. Yeah. The. I as I was watching it now because I I remember the key moments. I remember that his powers were basically killing him. That he died at the end, and uh, and I remember that he refuses to give his body to science. Yeah. Um, which again, that's interesting too. Right, but that they is don't really do anything with. That. Yeah, the biggest moments of conflict are obviously the town turning on him, mm-hmm. which ends up not leading to anything really, and uh, and then Duval turning on the town, which I think is great. It's easily the high point of the movie for me is just Duval getting angry and saying what you, as a rational viewer, are thinking. Or Duval's butt in the opening. Well, that's just a tease. <laughs> Just surprised he didn't like pull his cock out at the end, and he's just like when he when he sends that glass flying, yeah. it, it was just like hitting him with his penis, <laughs> <laughs> just sliding it down. Uh, yeah, and um, see, to me, what would have been more interesting is if that was like the midpoint of the movie, because when he gets diagnosed, it's like there's like fifteen or twenty minutes left in the movie. Yeah, yeah. if that was like the middle where you discover that, and then the rest of it is like he lives longer than five minutes after we find out he's going to die. I think there'd be interesting things to do with that. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that maybe some of it is on us. Maybe we are conditioned to expect a very specific sort of narrative when somebody gets superpowers. Yeah. Right. Because I just kept, it, it kept getting on my nerves that he finds out that he can move stuff with his mind mm-hmm. and he doesn't really explore that any further right no. he freaks out a little bit and then he just goes back to reading and goes back to growing tomatoes and i guess that was the maybe the biggest failing of the travolta character is that i couldn't really relate to him because i couldn't imagine any person reacting that way to being affected the way he is you know, and it with, didn't with build powers. anything either like if it if it basically at first he just was like really tepid about it and then it built to like you know him blowing up a silo with his brain or something like that. Obviously using dramatics here, but like, that's the kind of, yeah, I think 
heightened expectations from the types of movies you and I have watched, but also just, I don't know, I kind of wanted it to be more. And Travolta clearly, I mean, it's not like he wasn't trying, but this isn't the same Travolta we're talking about from two years before this. He isn't, but at the same time... The material's not either. Right, the material is not. Travolta, at least, I'll give him this. I mean, I didn't, and, and I mentioned it when we were doing, uh, when we did... But I think on every installment so far of the summer of Travolta, I did not feel like I was watching Vincent Vega or Turtle the Cyclo or Edna Turnbull. You know, it's just there's a completely different entity. Yeah, he's playing small town dude, just a completely average guy. Uh, it was really milk toast though, with the happenstantial black best friend. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Single mother who's hard to get. The Italian Hispanic man that worked in town. Yeah, it, I think it feels Robert like Duvall uh, in a bow tie. <laughs> yeah, they're going for that old-fashioned wholesomeness. A little bit of uh, uh, it's a wonderful life with superpowers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It it's just that small town thing with it with its dark secrets or its dark. They could have had to to do that when the city's like overwhelming them. I don't have your money. It's a it's a bill's house. <laughs> Yeah, it just, I don't know, it, it, it didn't work. I, I think I can kind of feel what they were going for, but it just wasn't, it's not interesting enough, and really it does drag, because, dude, I thought it was an hour oh, 45, man. and it when you said there's no way this is an hour 45, I realized that, yeah, I'd been just getting antsy, and I knew where it was going, so I kind of knew where the end point was. I'm usually pretty good about when we record and when we watch movies about not being on my phone. I, I couldn't help it with this. I Like... Because it was, it's one of those movies where 15 minutes goes by where, like, 30 seconds of actual something happens. Yeah. Which, um, again, joke's on me because it made five times what its budget was. Um, but it was just – a lot of it fell flat and it just took a while for something to happen and then it would be another while before something else happened that was of interest. Yeah, there is a. Uh, I really did feel. I mentioned it on uh, Contrarian's Corner, but I, I did feel that there was sort of a uh, a letdown in the arc of the the town itself, because when you don't let them make their peace with Travolta, I don't care that you go to one year later and they're celebrating his birthday. There is like a piece missing there that that just makes the whole thing really nasty. Mm-hmm. They're they're very close minded and 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 mean to him, and then he dies, and that's fine. But you know when you do that, then the movie's saying something. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's it's just like wow, this guy was really nice. He was really good, and he got a really bad deal. Even when he got powers, he got ostracized, and and then the powers killed him. And you know, he barely got to connect with the girl he liked. And so, that's like a dark movie. But then there's those last like five minutes where the movie's trying to sell it to you. Like, no, but it was so good because yeah. it united the town and everything. I, Interesting you mentioned that because I was going to say far be it for me to find any way to spin a narrative to be positive about Zack Snyder. But uh, you can't really say the same thing about Batman because Batman doesn't have per se superpowers. Nah. So there's not that freak thing. It's just people are mad at him for being a vigilante, which Nolan did very well. I thought Snyder's approach to it that people were scared of Superman because he had superpowers is, like, really good. Right. I mean, obviously, he dropped the ball with it in many ways, but uh, 
I thought he did a better job of that than here because that's what I mean. Like nothing happens for the first hour for all intents and purposes. And then we try to cram in like fucking a shit ton of material into the second hour. I mean, you could with a concept like this, obviously you need to flush it out a lot more. You could have a two and a half hour movie that remains interesting. Yeah. Uh, but with this, it was just all about getting Travolta being charming on screen and things like that. But to your point, what I'm trying to state about my Zack Snyder analogy is the parts of Man of Steel and what was the shit bag that came after that? Bad number Superman? It had a surname, didn't it? Dawn of Justice. There we go. Um, the parts of that that are good is like when the townspeople are like revolting against Superman and then like when it comes around to them realizing that you know these things are good for them and it's their only hope type of thing. Yeah, that you never get to that with the townspeople here. No. It's just more like they find out about his powers, they they get creeped out. They turn out. their back on him, right. they compartmentalize <laughs> what they did, and then they celebrate his life. Yeah, basically. Uh, and there is a lot of – it's such a slow burn as he learns about his powers – uh, all these vignettes, vignettes with like you know the the rabbit and the fertilizer and the tomatoes and all that stuff. It's just very very slow. I mean, we're like an hour into the movie, I think, before somebody else finds out that he can that he has telekinesis. And there's right? not one shred of him like questioning, "Could I do something for my own gain with this?" Right. It's just he's just so small minded about it. And if that's if that's the case, then I don't know. I wish that that small mindedness had played. A bigger role in the plot, mm-hmm. you know, but really all it does is just keep the story really small without like really taking it anywhere. Uh, That's a really good way to put it. It's just, it just keeps it small and doesn't take it anywhere. Yeah, it's just, it's just there. And for Milk Toast America, that works just fine. I'm sure there were a lot of people <laughs> to this day that love this movie. I just want to see Travolta move more pencils around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't need that fancy stuff. I don't need, I don't need a smartphone. <laughs> I just want to see Travolta play with solar panels. <laughs> I want to see what else he can grow in that farm. <laughs> um, there is a, 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 you know, that picture of him with the with the hand. It's like if you do phenomenon, like do the Google image search, that's all that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think it was the poster too. The is best it, part was like one of the when I was searching. Yeah, it is the poster. But when I was like Google image searching, it was all that just the the, the hand Travolta, and then the picture of him holding the dog from Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is like really the one big set piece in the movie, right? The 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 search for the kid and mm-hmm. the eventual. Discovery and it's kind of low key in a cool way. I think you know, like if you're going to put this movie as a, as an example of how you can do a movie about superpowers without going all flashy, that yeah. sequence is pretty decent. But it's also, you know, the, that's the biggest thing that happens in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even then, like you said, like. When it climaxes, it's still not that much happens. Right. Yeah. Uh, then the – because even then, the people are kind of like suspicious of him, but they don't really turn on him until he breaks that glass. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the because of the government uh, coming after him, which happens because of the radio stuff, not because uh, they heard that he rescued the kid. So mm-hmm. in a way, you could have cut the whole thing with the kid out. And the movie would be shorter. Yeah, you would have made <laughs> and it. And it would still work. The plot would still work at least about as well as it works right now. Uh, but the the thing with the government, though, that's the other thing I was going to bring out, which is 
it's funny because we're complaining about how little happens and then the government thing happens. The government agents show up and now stuff is happening. Yeah. But it also felt like, oh, well, now it turned into a movie. Yeah. Did you get that feeling? Mm-hmm. Or like, well, now we're going to go through through this set of... of Someone's going to have to... Put a hoodie, a red hoodie on Travolta and sneak him out in a basket on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, the kid wore the, Elliot wore the red hoodie and then put the cloak around E.T. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. It just. I mean, he does want to go home. (laughs) Touche. By that point, I was just kind of bored and I don't want to say threw in the towel, but it, yeah, it's one of those things of like any thought of it continuing on like a semi-interesting path. It's just like, okay, we're just back. And like nothing ever happens. Like I said, when, um. In the end, all that happens is it pays off the angle about her car not working because the <laughs> FBI agent starts it and knows that he was there and fixed it. But I like that scene. Uh, and I, I guess I wish that there was more of that sort of humanity mm-hmm. throughout the movie. And uh, um, I think it tries to that be. That is the only moment it. of character any of like the government officials have. Yes, that definitely. But, you know, she asks him, you know, how would you like to die? And he... He understands, and then he walks away. The government agent lets Travolta die on his own terms. Mm-hmm. That is pretty cool, but I wish that there was more stuff like that, you know, instead of like, oh, look, he can, like, move pens now, and he can, like, read really fast. And uh, How old is this person? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you would agree that you would rank it three on what we've watched so far with Travolta movies. Right. With yeah. number one being Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, number two, Hairspray. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding, man. I forgot how good Hairspray was. I've had those fucking songs stuck in my head all week. More so, uh, Nicest Kids in Town than You Can't Stop the Beat. But, yeah, both very excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've... Uh, I've gone back to the DVDs. I left it on the in the Xbox, mm-hmm. so I just left it there. And I went back to and went through some more of the special features. Uh, something I wouldn't do with Phenomena. <laughs> Before we started recording, I told Julio that I uh, left my notebook for Hairspray in Wichita Falls, and uh, or my podcasting notebook, I should say. So. I either left it at the center I was working at or in the hotel room. So Pages and pages and pages of, of gold. Contrary and stuff. But, of course, it's one of those things those notes would make no sense to anyone but me being able to just relate. I'm sure there's some movies we watch if I read back the notes and I'd be like, what the fuck does that mean? Homeland Security has a notebook right now and they're <laughs> trying to crack the code. All right. This guy really has a hard-on for Robert Duvall in a bow tie. Who um, are the nicest kids in town? <laughs> <laughs> the new terrorist cell. Um, so, closing down phenomenon here. Like, where do you, where do you put it as far as Travolta's performance, independent of everything else? Before I forget, it it doesn't hold a candle to Independence Day. So for coming out on the same day, <laughs> it rightfully got blown out of the water. Um, I don't know. I can't. I'm sure there's going to be things we watch more of going through this, and I'll just be like, "Well, yeah, it was compared to this phenomenon was gold." But um, <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad performance. It's, it's not. It's just a bland character. It is, and yeah, I guess I, I'll need to think about it more, simmer on it, sleep on it to see how much of it I think is to be put on him and how much is put on the writing. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's certainly not bad. This does none of this screamed cash in a paycheck to me. It was just kind of oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no, just no. all just kind of there. He has, you know, he he's giving himself. He has the one speech we didn't mention in the Contreras Corner, but the one where his other Oscar clip would be when he's refusing to let the doctors cut him open, 
and he has that speech about how you know the journey and the, mm-hmm. his brain is an inspiration just because now they know that that's the potential of the human brain and all that stuff that's pretty good it's delivered with passion uh but I'm thinking if you're an actor or an actress and you're asked to play a bland character because it has to be bland in order for this story to work the way it works, yeah, that's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, Travolta is like, okay, so I just have to get by on my smile and uh, my oh shucks <laughs> attitude. Jeez. Uh, yeah, because, you know, if he shows any sort of ingenuity, then the, wor- the movie doesn't work uh, in the way they want it to, which is like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this guy, completely unassuming guy, gets superpowers and that's why things happen the way that they do. So. Yeah, it's it's not bad, and you know, sixty fucking movies that we've done with fifteen bonus episodes <laughs> or whatever it is. I'm sure there are many worse movies we've watched than this. I would watch this again over many of the things that we've sat through. But you wouldn't watch it again just to watch it again. No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So before we move into plugs, I felt the need to save this story for the podcast because it kind of pertains to something we've done in the past. Oh, you you teased this uh, in the last episode. My opinion. uh, Is this a Charlie's Angels 2? No. That's my plug. Oh, okay. Okay. okay, okay. Please (laughs) continue. Save that. Um, No, basically just because my opinion is on the record. Anyway, there was uh, a woman in Wichita Falls that I was working with and... She was a did pretty she, woman. Did I she was, cut your hair and shave you? No. That that was that, what's the line Dwight has? I can and do cut my own hair. <laughs> uh no, she was just a really pretty girl, and I was just talking to her and trying to schmooze up to her and kind of flirt with her and whatnot. Oh my god, did you drop the line I am a podcaster? No, I didn't even bring it up because we just uh we were at this bar, and I was just talking to her about movies and stuff. And I was like, so what's your favorite movie? And she's like, if I had to pick, I'd probably say this means war. And I was just like, Give me war. She could have said, this is 40. Th- that's true. But like, and then she started explaining to me why and how this means war is such an incredible film. And uh-huh, I was uh-huh. just like, she formulated her opinions on that movie and like her argument for it extremely well. And, but because of where I was, I did not unleash anything at all. And I was just like, yeah, Chris Pine's very funny in that movie. There you go. I mean, yeah. I figured there has to have been at least some overlap with with the jokes we made about that movie being good. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, or even the good things we said about the movie, like, honestly, which yeah. was Chris Pine was really good. Yeah. And Reese Witherspoon can do these roles in her, in her sleep. And the Tom Hardy comedic actor experiment was quite fascinating. You know, it was worth... It was it was a worthy undertaking. So using that to segue into my plug for the week, while I was at the hotel on the work assignment last week, I was in the hotel room one night and I watched Charlie's Angels 2. It was on the HBO. And uh, I've spoken at length about how much I enjoy the first Charlie's Angels movie. Uh-huh. I'd only seen two once and I thought it was bad. It's it's awesome. Like <laughs> I was just watching it baffled. And, you know, it ties in with the this means war thing because it's like, so it's clear McGee can make it has to like have all the stars in the the solar system has to align for it to work properly. But the biggest thing was I forgot how many people were in that movie. Justin Theroux is like the the hitman in there, and um, fucking Joey uh, Tribbiani comes back. Yes, right? I was trying to remember his name, Matt LeBlanc. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's in it, and uh, Shia LaBeouf has a small part in it. I didn't know that. I, I know Bill Murray didn't come back, and they got. Um... Um, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of stupid humor in it, but like the action, it's just 
it's not as good as the first one, but man, it, it, it was just very fascinating to me to watch that and that whole thing of like, yes, McGee he has to be through an extreme filter, but he knows how to do these things. And the three girls in it, um, Drew Barrymore, girls, they're all, <laughs> Drew Barrymore is like one of the most celebrated American actresses of my lifetime. Uh, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, and Cameron Diaz, they have very good chemistry in it. And the biggest thing that I always stress on here is they genuinely seem to be having fun. Mm. And if they weren't, their acting is incredible because like, it just seems, it seems like it was a good time to make. And it's one of those movies you watch and it probably was a fun movie to make. Just um, stupid. And, Demi Moore is in it, right? Yes. She she's the bad, the, she's the the bad guy. Yeah. Um, Robert Forrester's in it. And um, the T-1000. What's his name? Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Yeah. So, Yeah. I mean, if you're up late on a work assignment and the hotel has HBO. Why wasn't there a third one? I, I don't know. I, I think the second one didn't perform as well as the first one. I mean, they're the same movie. So, <laughs> I mean, you can only do But at the same time, I love fucking Friday the 13th. And there's been. Just keep bringing the stars. 14 of the same movies. Cycle them out. Yeah. Uh, so that is my plug. Um, aside from that, it's been pretty quiet here. Been trying to get back to my normal life. My past three weeks at the job have been exhausting to say the least, so I'm still trying to ease back in. I'm thirty one as of today. Oh yeah. Happy birthday, Alex, on the air. Thank you. Julio upholding his tradition. Uh it feels like I've had two birthdays in the past month because you've given me two criterions, but one of them was just eleven months overdue. Yeah, this time I was right on time. Yeah. So thank you for that, and uh, thank you for recording with me on my birthday. Dude, you know, I you were this close to getting a Blu-ray of Justice League. Because I didn't know if I should. I, I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> well, because I cooler knew heads prevailing. I knew that for sure you didn't have it. Whereas, like the criterion I got you, I was like, maybe he has it. So, do I run the the risk? Do I roll the dice, and then I, I decided Julia Bun- Binoche. Binoche, yeah, yeah, Juliet Binoche. And I don't remember the name of the guy. Uh, no, I, I Eddie. I know has put that over massively to me in the past. So. Also, I need to text him back, but Eddie sent me one of the best birthday messages today. Was so. it the monkey? No, he said me and him would always quote um, Kevin Hart's scene in Forty Old Virgin when we were together, and we'd be like mad at a customer, or, like just joking about something. We would always use that scene as like our comedic relief. And he sent me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, I've seen Forty Year Old Virgin a few times, but Kevin Hart has just he's in one scene. He's the really disgruntled uh, customer that gets in the argument and. He's like talking about I'm gonna need that extended warranty for the price of on the house, and he threatens to like shoot Steve Carell. Are you, do you not know what I'm talking no. about? Okay, I, before on your way home, I'm gonna post that scene on your Facebook wall. Okay. Anyway, shout out to Eddie. I'll text you back tomorrow, brother. But that that made my day. So throwing it back to you, Julio. What plugs you got for us this week? Uh, before I get to plugs proper, um, a couple of uh, things that you know the live stream for the Cure 2.0 that. Uh, we played a couple of promos for those for the Epic Film guys. They actually hit their goal, so that was pretty awesome. Fuck yeah. Um, and then because they hit their goal, then the Cancer Research Place like actually matches their contribution. That's so awesome. It, it doubled it. So it was, yeah, that's awesome. Great news. Uh, I went, I don't know if you saw my posts online, but I this podcast that we've mentioned a couple of times here, the Star Trek Next Generation podcast that mm-hmm. I listened to. So they're on tour right now, and their first stop was in Austin. And they're doing a a show about uh, Wrath of Khan, which I don't think you've seen any of the original Star Trek movies, have you? 
That's two, right? Yeah, two. Yeah. It's the one where Spock dies. When I was younger, and, yeah. Yeah, it's. I I went ahead and I rented it to watch it before I went to the show, and it it holds up. It's it's actually a really good movie. Um, and then I went to the show the next day, and it was it was one of those things where like. I I regretted going for like I don't know maybe twenty minutes because it was by then we were ready like with this weather where it was like super fucking hot, and the show started at seven. Um, or doors open at seven. The show was at eight, and I didn't know what to expect, so I showed up. Like it, it wasn't reserved seating, so I showed up at six. Mm-hmm. So I went downtown. I, I worked in the morning. From Oof. work, I went straight downtown. Got downtown around six o'clock. It's super fucking hot, and and the place where they're having it, the doors open at seven. So we're all like outside, and it's like this sort of there's like a restaurant outside where everybody's like sitting down and eating, but it's still like it's fucking hot. Yeah. So I'm tired. I'm hot. And I'm not feeling very social. And I'm surrounded by people that are like very, very, very much into Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I like it a lot. I listen to a podcast about Star Trek, obviously. Yeah. You know, I but I'm just I'm feeling like, man, I'm gonna bring the party down if if you know this keeps up. And uh and then we go in there and I, I sit like really close. I was like on the second row, I think. And uh but I was like, please nobody come try to talk to me because I <laughs> I'm gonna, Not I'm gonna, mood. right. I'm gonna come across as rude when really all I am is really tired mm-hmm. and r- tired, and my clothes are sticking to me and all that. And uh, but then they came out at eight, and dude, like the first thing that happens is that like they uh, they have this running joke uh, on their show that there's no money in the future, so the currency is scarves, and uh, it has to do with the show. I mean, you have to like mm-hmm. watch it to get it. But they come out and they throw like a couple of scarves. Uh, to the audience and That's one awesome. lands like right in my hand <laughs> <laughs> and i was like it's gonna be a good night and and it was so it was a lot of fun it was great i got a picture with the guys it was i, nice. I, I tried really hard not to like geek out and freak them out but uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun and they're still touring so i guess if you're listening to this and they're stopping at a city near you near you go because it's very much worth it uh so that's something cool that i did while you were uh away um and then actual plug plug i well i guess i'll do two one is that i watched the new han solo movie mm-hmm. which has been dividing uh the internet the people that hate it there are people that are just underwhelmed and there are people that are just whelmed i i thought it was fine you were I, adequately gruntled <laughs> yes <laughs> i i don't know i think that uh I, i've said it online it's it's kind of like the ant-man movie it's a perfectly well-made movie, does its job, but it's surrounded by movies that are so much better. Than it just it. looks underwhelming right. in comparison. Yeah, it's like it's not the Last Jedi, it's not the Force Awakens. You know, it, it's just it's a movie about Han Solo when he was young, and you just go and you watch it and you have a good time, unless you're just so angry that it's not this epic, yeah, you know, thing that's gonna change people's lives. So you can nitpick it to death. And there's some really stupid shit in it, but dude, you had I, a good time. I had a good time. I it was it was just so much fun. I laughed, and there's some really cool stuff too. Um, I now, heard uh, Donald Glover's really good. Yes, you know uh, if you know me, you know that outside of Community, uh, I'm not a big fan of Donald Glover. Uh, I find that he just he's just very sticky when it comes to his movie performances. Uh, but I actually liked him a lot in this one. It was just the right amount of shtick. He's just he's just basically imitating Billy D. Williams, like nice. a young Billy D. Williams. But it works in the context of the movie, so uh, so that was good. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I'll put the link on the show notes 
and and the webpage. But there is this uh, YouTube channel created by our friend Coriari, which we've had here. We oh, had yeah? him for the for the Rob Zombie um, episode a couple of years ago now, mm-hmm. and uh, big fan of the show. And he's been doing actually this. Uh, he's been putting stuff on this YouTube channel for like I, I feel like a year at least. And uh, I, it, most of it is just comic book related. A few things are also movie related, and uh, the output of content he's he's having is just massive. It dwarfs, you know, our output. <laughs> obviously, uh, I feel like every time I get on Facebook, I have a notification of a new video coming up on his channel, uh, and they're like short videos, like ten minutes or so. Anyway, he's starting like a new thing, uh, and he sent me the link. It technically doesn't open until the first which is when this episode is going to post i was like okay. oh can i mention it it's called uh nerd needs and it's just basically him i guess every episode he's just gonna be like okay so this is something that i i would really like to see happen and this is you know as a as a geek this is something i would like and so his first episode is like a about a uh reboot slash relaunch of the the crow comic books you know right now apparently there's something going on but this it's not getting the attention that it should so uh and we're going to make that movie with Bradley Cooper as the crow. I don't think that's happening anymore, man. <laughs> you know what is happening? Jamie Foxx's spawn. I saw. I saw yeah. the news. I'm sure Cordy will mention it in one of his videos. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, and that's on his YouTube page, you said? Yeah. it's uh, His uh, YouTube handle is Nerd Scum. Oh, that's uh, his Twitter handle, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah he changed it to Nerd Scum, uh, which really, if you're filthy-minded, it reads like Nerd Scum. Mm-hmm. So... I'm sure. I'm sure Corey didn't do that intentionally or anything, <laughs> or maybe he did. And he's laughing right yeah. now. But anyway, I'll put the link on the on the web page on the show notes. It's uh, I I like hearing Corey talk about geeky stuff. Why we used to be roommates a long time ago, and it would just be a pleasure to just hear him rant about yeah. whatever he happened to have watched that day, mm-hmm. or whatever that happened to like annoy him and pop culture. And his YouTube channel is mostly a sanitized version of it. There's a lot less cussing, which I find really amusing. I was going to say, in in person, some of Corey's rants, <laughs> even for the internet, would be pretty shocking. Yeah, no, no, no. He's actually, I think he's trying really hard to keep it PG-13. Nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll I'll put the link up. Cool. Sounds good. What's on deck for uh, the next Summer of Travolta episode? Alex Mattis, I think we're going back in time. Let me pull up the list. So episode 61 is Look Who's Talking To. Oh, man. That comes out June 15th. Travolta and Bruce Willis back at it again. Yep. And then we have our our second bonus episode of uh, The Summer of Travolta, Grease. Hell yes. I do own that one. (laughs) Of course you do. Yeah, fuck yeah. Did you? Yeah, you own Hairspray, right? Is that how Mm -hmm. you watch it or did you just find it somewhere? I own it. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then we do Face Off in July. We start July off with Face Off. Awesome. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, get to watch and dude, look who's talking to. I've never seen it. Uh, but it's also, I think, our one female director of this summer of Travolta. Returning, Amy Herkerling. We'll keep it inclusive. Uh, so that was Phenomenon. We will continue the Phenomenon that is the summer of Travolta with Look Who's Talking To on the next episode. Uh, but Julio, I think that covers my thoughts. Uh, if there's nothing else you're going to add. Uh, just the usual uh, thanks to the Festive Years for letting us use uh, Summer of 1999 and Last Stand mm. for the opening and closing of the, sno- of the show. Always appreciated. Uh, 
And then uh, Hans Rothgieser from Nacion Combi, who did our logo and does logos for other people. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you want to reach him, he is at Mildemonios on Twitter. Can you spell that, Alex? No, I can't. I was going to ask you to. <laughs> phonetically. M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. That translates to a thousand de demons. Okay. And it's the same thing, Mildemonios at Hotmail.com if you want to email him. Uh, or you can just listen to his show, Nacion Combi. In Spanish. Uh, and that's that. Thank you, everybody. All right. Well, thank you for joining us here on The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And we will catch you next time. And we will solve the mystery of who is talking. Also. Also. <laughs> as well. Get in the car. I'll grab the keys. Let's go make this summer. One that's full of memories. You won't regret it. No place outside of town I think you'll really love it At night when no one is around We'll drive into the sunset Promise me you won't forget That summer of 1999 Back when you blew my mind uh, <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I, just, I, I just wish I had the Eric Clapton cue <laughs> If I could change the world. <laughs> hey, guys. Do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the contrarians that speaks with an accent, I'm doing official screenplay coverage now. And if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turnaround is about two weeks and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show. Although it'll also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website, wearethecontrarians.com, and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link. Your voice is beautiful.